Yeah. Well, guys, y'all just heard one of my favorite preachers. His name's Franklin Jensen. He wrote a book called Fasting. I would recommend that you pick this up. This book outside of the Bible is the most powerful book I've ever read. Let me say that again. This book outside the Bible is the most powerful book I've ever read. I, I do a lot of reading. If you ask my wife, I have a ton of books. Um, I love to read. Reading is so good. Leaders are readers. And uh, the people you meet, the books you read, are the things that God can use to shape your life and to change your life. I read this book about two years ago, year and a half, two years ago, and God just totally stretched me. I don't know about you, maybe, maybe you don't like to read because you're a slow reader, and you begin to read and you get tired, or you just, it seems like you can't push your way through it. Um, I, I can kind of identify with that. When I picked this book up, I, uh, I did not want to set it down, and it did something remarkable, and that is that it created this desire in me more for God than I had a desire for food. If you know Tim Payne, I love food, man. Are you kidding me? We just came back from Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, man, my first meal was barbecue. I, I stopped at a restaurant called Dreamland. Uh, we, we got into our kids, Nani and Poppy, and pulled in there, Roswell, Georgia. I picked up the phone, and Nani, who these are kind of like our kids' adoptive grandparents, you know, they just... One of the churches we were at, they've loved us ever since. But they, they said, uh, no, we're not going to Dreamland. Not tonight. We'll do it tomorrow. And I said, I know you're not going. I'm going. <laughs> That's cool, man. You're right. You spoke the truth. I'm going. And I called in an order. It was 8.51. I was about seven minutes away. They closed at 9 o'clock. And I said, can you hook a brother up? I just drove in from Gulf Breeze. And they said, come on in. Just hurry. I said, you don't have to tell me twice. Barbecue, brother, hurry. I'll be there. I love to eat. I absolutely love to eat. I, I love to eat. Did I say I love to eat? Any of you out there, do you love to eat? I mean, are you like me? I mean, you, that was pretty weak because I'm, I said I love to eat. I don't know about you, but I wake up and when I eat, I'm already thinking about the next two or three meals. You know, I love to plan when it comes to eating. I get very strategic. And uh, barbecue, barbecue. Okay, so I just, I love to eat. But man, when I read this book, it was like, it was like God birthed in me this hunger for him more than anything else. And I, I'd never experienced, I love God, and I've loved God for a long time. But I want to tell you something, when I read this, I never felt what I felt. You know, when my wife, Stephanie, she's hardly ever in here. She's always with the children, and um, not she don't want to be in here. She loves the children, and She's a standing in the gap so that your babies and my babies can be well taken care of, protected, and taught about Jesus. But uh, I love my wife. She's wonderful, beautiful. She's a real deal. She's uh, the better half of us. But, um, you know, when, when I read this book, it brought me back to a passion for God like I'd never experienced for God. It made me think about when Steph and I first met and our first date and, and our first date didn't go real well, to be honest with you. It was kind of set up. My sister kind of set us up. And, you know, I knew who she was. She knew who I was. She had a crush on me. Um, just want to throw that out there. I robbed the cradle. I'm three years older. And when I was in, I guess, like a junior, she's a little bit younger than I was. I was, you know, older women. You know, I wasn't looking down. I was looking up. And, and I, said, I didn't have time for her. I want to tell you something. I graduated college and saw this chick. I had time for her. I made time. I was like, holy cow. Wow. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Lord, help a brother. Brother need a miracle. People always ask me, they said, how did you get this beautiful girl? Like, does she, do you have dirt on her? Is she afraid you're going to blackmail her? I said, she's beautiful, but she's blind. She's beautiful, but she's blind. But no, seriously, she's amazing, man. And, and I just felt this passion for this girl, for this woman that I never felt for another woman. She was the one to which my parents always reminded me. Ever since elementary, I would tell them, oh, she's the one. <laughs> no, she's the one. <laughs> she's the one. But all of a sudden, this one was the one of all the ones. Are you with me? And I want to tell you something. What fasting will do is give you a hunger and a desire for God like you have never, ever had. Now, you may be here today, and you don't believe in God. You may be an atheist, and that is okay. We're glad that you're here. You don't have to be like us. 
to be loved by us. That's a hot point right there. You might want to just clap. You might want to just put your hands together. Go ahead and make some noise. That's right. I love, I love feedback, all right? So good feedback, not from the speakers, but from you guys. So it's not a dead church. If you, if you don't know that yet, it's not a dead church. It's an alive church. We got Jesus here. It's, it's all alive. All systems go. And so you don't have to sit there and be stiff and no, just, just relax and it's all good. But uh, I want to tell you something, man. God is for you and he believes in you and, and, and whether you know him, whether you love him, whether you once loved him and something happened, somebody did something and you made the mistake of blaming God instead of blaming them, you blamed the church, you blamed or you didn't blame the church, you didn't blame the person, you blamed God. I want to tell you something, God's higher than all that mess. God has nothing but love for you, nothing but love for you. And so we're glad that you're here today, all of you. We are, Momentum is a community, that's what we are. We're a community of Jesus followers. We want to follow Jesus. We want to walk where he's walking. We want to go where he's going. We want to do what he did. We're a community of Jesus followers who together are an unstoppable force for good, driven to change the world. And we believe that, you know what, we are a catalyst within this community, not because of us, not to lift up us, but to lift up Jesus. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are going to love this community like it's never been loved before. Fasting will give you a desire for God, not only for God, for God's people, for the things of God. And I'm not preaching on fasting today. This is all the message before the message. But if you're here, I just want to explain what's happening because you're like, fasting? I told you we shouldn't have gone this morning. I told you we should have gone somewhere else. I just want to tell you, we love Jesus so much that we say, God, we want what you want for us because we believe that there is no one higher There is no one better. There is no one greater. There is no one that loves us more. There is no one more for us than you are. And God, we just want to align our hearts with your heart. God, we want to align our vision individually, personally, collectively, corporately. We want to align our hearts, our desires, our taste with you. We want to see as you see. And I want to tell you something. You don't just see as God sees just by an accident. The church had a holy discipline, and the discipline, much like working out, you know, my friend tweeted December 31st, he was like, this is the last day of going to the gym and it being half full, you know, and I think the hashtag was like, see you in the morning or something like that, you know, Uh, it's January, everyone's back in the gym, right, we got to get back to it, we all ate good this Christmas and the holiday season, right, from Thanksgiving, I never looked back. I just kept going, man. I'm like, I don't want to stop now. We got my birthday. We got Christmas. We got New Year's. Now I got to get back to it, right? Got to get back in the gym. Got to get back to that discipline. Well, the church knew a discipline that would lead them in. It would synchronize them in to the power of the heartbeat of God and create a desire within them. It was called fasting. And so our church is going to fast for 21 days. Fasting is several things. You may want to take this sheet of paper out. Let me see if I got it here. We got a couple sheets of paper there, um, not because we think you need more, but because we want to put some resources in front of you. Take out this one real quick. It's just the blue and white one, momentum blue. You may want to jot some of this down. Y'all just bear with me. I'm going to kind of read through it quick and uh, just give you a couple hints on fasting because we want to encourage you to fast. Listen to me. There's some of you here, maybe... You saw us jumping around, waving our arms and hands and being excited, and you think, man, that's all fake. I don't get that, whatever. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. You still think that's fake. You're disconnected from that. I want to tell you something. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. All right, I'm not a Tide fan, but I figure some of you out there are a Tide fan, and there's a big ball game coming up, and I just figured a few people are a little bit passionate in this house about Alabama football because you're in the BCS championship. Is that right? All right. So if we can get excited about Nick Saban and Alabama football, someone better get excited up in this house for Jesus today. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, Jesus right on. So I want to tell you something. If you've never experienced, if you've never tasted how good God is, if your only perception of God is bad, 
welcome to the painting today. Because we're going to paint Jesus how he's designed to be painted and for who he is and for the heart that he has. And what fasting will do is say, God, I'm going to sacrifice. You never get anywhere unless you're willing to sacrifice. You don't build a business. You don't have a good marriage. You're not a good parent. You're not good with your finances until you get determined and disciplined enough to sacrifice. Can I get an amen? It takes sacrifice. I want to tell you what fasting does. Fasting gets God's attention because he is the God of sacrifice. And when you say, God, I will go without coffee for 21 days, and Lord, you know that's sacrifice for me. God sees you, and God says, I'll match you, and I'll raise you. Right? God's not a gambler. Well, my Bible says, oh, test me and try me. God's like, come on, you want to play? I got more than you do. Let's play. And I want to give what I got to you. Fasting does so much. Fasting breaks your chains. If you're here today and there you have some addiction, the truth is every one of us here are addicted to something. I want to tell you something. God doesn't want you to live your life addicted. God has the power to break that crap. I said crap in church because that's what wrong addictions are. God don't want you to live through, you live your life in bondage. He came to set the captives free. That's my God. And God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. That's what fasting will do. It'll get his attention. I want to tell you a few things and then I'm going to preach a message today. Here we go. Here we go. Number one, there's an absolute fast. Write it down. Absolute fast. That's where you do no water, no food. You don't want to go 21 days like that. We'll either visit you in the hospital or somewhere else. That's a short fast. But then there's a full fast or a normal fast. That's when you drink plenty of liquids, you get to choose the length. I want to tell you something. For some of you, this be the first time you ever fasted. Listen to me. I'm not asking you to go 21 days. If you want to go 21 days, you go 21 days. I dare you to try to go 21 days with whatever fast you choose and see if God, whether you believe in him or not, see if God don't really shake up your life in a really great way. But the four normal fasts is no food, plenty of liquids. You choose the length. Then there's the Daniel fast. Basically, it's no meats, no sweets, no bread. You drink water and juice. You eat basically fruits and vegetables. Then there's the partial fast. <laughs> it's probably a favorite fast for a lot of us in here. Um, it's from the 6 a.m. until 3 p.m. Or sun up to sundown. And you can choose either the absolute, where you have no food or water, the full, where you're just drinking liquids, or the partial. People who fasted in the Bible, Moses fasted 40 days, two different occasions. Daniel 120, let me, (laughs) Daniel, sorry, too much credit there. Daniel 21 days, he didn't go 121 days. Paul, two fasts recorded, one was for three days, one for 14. Jesus fasted 40 days. Joshua fasted 40 days. Peter fasted for three days. Fasting is for everyone. It's continual prayer before God. It's saying, God, here I am. It will energize your spiritual life. It's a source of power to break the addictions. It's a source of power to give you physical healing. Do you know that doctors say fasting is one of the greatest things you can do? If you're here and you have whatever disease, fill in the blank, fasting is one of the greatest things you can do. After three days without any food in your system, Your body was designed by God to naturally begin healing itself. If you have arthritis, you have MS, you have anxiety, fill in the blank, whatever you have, after three days of no food, your body finally has gotten rid of the food, it's processed that, and your body, as amazing as it is, begins to naturally heal itself. If you're a Christian, you want more of God, fasting prepares you for a new anointing. Periodic fasting flushes out the toxins in your system. I love a massage. After I get a massage, my mom surprised me. Went home to Tennessee. Great Christmas present. My favorite. She said, hey, I'm glad. A surprise. I got a couple's massage for you and Steph. You guys have been going hard at it. We're watching the kids. Go to Cool Springs. Get you a massage. We went in there, and the last thing they tell me, you know, when the thing's over, is drink plenty of to flush out your, that's what fasting does. It, more than anything, will give you confidence in Jesus, and it will increase your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I preached that message several weeks ago, 
Maybe you didn't hear it. I just want to bring you up to speed. If you say, I've got something wrong in my life, and I believe God, that he is greater than what's wrong. He is bigger than what's wrong. He is my healer for what's wrong. He's my restorer for what's wrong. He cleanses me from everything and gives me life over everything that's wrong. If you want to believe God for that, then I challenge you for the next day, three days, seven days, two weeks, three weeks, I want to challenge you to fast. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. Maybe finances are tight. Maybe, and you say, man, we just, we, Tim, we live from, I wish we lived from paycheck to paycheck, but it's almost not even that good. I'd encourage you to fast and watch if God doesn't do the miraculous on your behalf. I fasted the first 21 days of July. And right after that fast, I fasted for 26 things on my on a little memo list. One of them was for a $10,000 check. One of them was for my mom to be healed. One of them was for a youth pastor. Can I tell you something? 25 of 26 things have been answered since July. And that's not to point anything to me. That's all to point to Jesus because fasting is powerful. Did you get the message today? I got more from that when I said roll tide. Did you, did you get that today? He's greater. So if you're ready to hear the word of the Lord, would you stand and put your hands together? Let's cheer on as we're going to read some scripture today. That's weak, guys. That's weak. Come on now. Today's fast forward Sunday. We're moving forward. We are fasting because we believe God has more in our life. There's a woman here today, her husband's been cheating on her for a long time, and I don't say that um, harshly. She knows I love her, and we are dedicating this corporate fast as a body of Christ so that God Almighty will get a hold of his heart, and that marriage will be fully restored and healed and brought back to the wholeness that it was when they said, I do. That's the dedication today. We're fasting to move forward. Philippians 3 Verse 12 through 14, some of my favorite verses in all the Bible. The Bible says this. I'll read from the NLT. It says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. And can I just tell you something? This right here, this guy screwed up, messed up. I'm telling you, but all my issues and everything that's wrong about me, there is a loving God who loves me completely and accepts me totally. And that's why I'm in love with Jesus because I've not arrived but he has arrived, and he arriving has said, come on with me. I already got the hundred. You don't even need to get a one. I got the hundred. Just be with me. Just be at my side, and I'm going to take care of all things, and I'll make all things new. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. I'm telling you, I'm not a perfect preacher. I'm far from perfection, and I'm thankful that God loves me in spite of my failures. I hugged my boy this morning when we pulled up in the parking lot, and I said, Jaden, two weeks ago, I know I apologize, but I want you to know daddy's heart. Two weeks ago, I was frustrated with you. I just bought him a $4 Starbucks hot chocolate. You understand my frustration? I gave it to him, and he's the, he opened the lid, and there were marshmallows in there, right, or the whipped cream or whatever, and he's like, oh, I don't want it. There's stuff in there. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's the good stuff. He didn't want it, and then, then he just kind of had a little bit of an attitude, and I got a little frustrated, and I... Didn't exactly act like I should have acted. I got frustrated with them, and I had a little attitude. You ever get an attitude because someone else got an attitude, and you think their attitude gives you permission to you? Oh, oh no, you didn't, right? You just, that attitude kind of draws out your attitude, and oh, yeah, and that, that yeah, uh-huh, that flesh comes out, and I hugged him, and I said, Jaden, daddy was wrong, and he put his head down, and he said, it's okay, daddy, he hugged me, he said, I love you, I said, no, no, look at me, son, I messed up. I was wrong. I sinned. I'm sorry. Please forgive daddy. I got nothing but love for you. Boy, and his arms were wide open. I'm not perfect. Paul, who penned these words, he said he was the chief of sinners. If you're here today and you think, I don't go to church, I'm not a Christian, I don't believe in God, I'm just not that good, or I couldn't get my act together that much, or I'm not a goody two-shoe, can I tell you something? There's no goody two-shoes in the house today. The fact is, we are all ruined by sin, but let me tell you something, we are all wrecked by grace, and it has been amazing, and it has been wonderful. 
And that's what Paul says. I am the chief of sinners. I'm not arrived. I'm not attained. I'm not getting a hundred. In fact, yeah, my grade ain't that good. I don't want you to look at it. My parents might have to sign this sheet of paper. But here's what Paul said through the inspiration of the Spirit of God. He said this, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward. We are fast forward. We are gonna fast forward in our life. We're gonna fast forward. We're gonna believe God for more. Listen, we just had a warehouse open up to us for free, and we got uh, someone in our church who works on base, and they helped us with so many blankets that we gave out, but there's more than blankets in this massive warehouse, and now all of a sudden, we got another warehouse where we can take from the Navy base and store for free in another warehouse so we can turn around and be a blessing to people in need. We're gonna fast forward. December 28th, 29th, somewhere in there, 30th, I get a phone call, and someone said, man, I came to the church several weeks ago. Our first week was your first week on, uh, in the school, I think, and, or on the school, and then you preached on money, you know, and man, that was just wow. And, but I want to tell you something. God wants us to do this, and he's blessed us, and we want to give. And the very next day, Momentum Church was blessed with the check for $31,000. Thank you, Jesus. I want to tell you something. I am excited about that. I do boast in Jesus because of that. Because I remember last July fasting and putting a number on paper and watching God answer that paper, answer that prayer, and I get to check that one off too. My God is bigger and greater. He can do more than you can even think or imagine is what I'm trying to tell you today. And he says here this. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I know you're still standing. We stand at ball games, Amen. That's right. We don't look at the clock when our team's winning. We just stand all day. We want to know what team we're on. We're on the winning side. I'm trying to tell you today, if you got God on your side, if he's before you and behind you, you are on the winning side. So forget the past. 2012 is over. 1988 is over. 2011 is over. It's 2013 in Jesus' name. Forget the past. Forget what's behind you and focus forward. Paul said this, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize. Anyone up in this joint want a heavenly prize today? Because if you come to the table full, you won't feed yourself much. You don't want a hamburger when you pull up. You don't want to eat in a hamburger or McDonald's french fries or nuggets. You don't want to fill yourself on that stuff when you pull up to Ruth Chris. And you can have the real deal. You don't want to come up to that table already full because you will be disappointed. And God has Ruth Chris for you this morning. Are you hungry for him? Do you have room for God today in your life? He, Paul said this. He said, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You may be seated. A simple message today. God is calling you to more. God is calling you to more. There's more than before. God has more for you than before. There's a guy in the Old Testament that really illustrated this. His name was Caleb. Caleb was awesome. Listen to this verse, Numbers 14, 24. You remember the story, maybe. They were gonna go occupy some land. There's the children of Israelites, and God said, send some spies in. And he sent 12 spies into this land that overflowed with milk and honey. It, it, was, it was unbelievable, the wealth of the city. And 12 spies went in, and 10 were bad, and two were good. Because the two came back and said, God is faithful. Because they saw God over everything else. And the other 10 came back, and they said, we can't take this land. Can I tell you, God had promised them this land. God had already said, I'm giving you this land. Now go search it out, and then come back and take it right? Oh, Nick Saban, I heard him say one time that in football, you have to present yourself in such a way that you literally beat the, the enemy, beat the other team, the opposing team. You have to break their will and you have to crush their, their spirit to win the game. 
And God has said, man, I've already given this to you. Now go in there and break their spirit and take that city that I've already promised you. But 10 people came back and said, I don't know. They're chewing fingernails. They're scared to death. And they're just, I don't, I don't think we can do this. I don't think, because uh, uh, they saw giants. They were giants. They're eight, nine, 10 foot giants. Hello, that's a little scary. You know, you got a slingshot and they got a slingshot. Their slingshot's a little bit bigger than your slingshot. You got a sword and they got a sword. But 10 came back and said, we can't take this land. And two came back and said, our God is able. He's bigger than the giants. He's bigger than the grapes. They saw grapes in that land. They're grapes like watermelons. I never saw a grape like a watermelon. But that's what they saw. They were like, two people said, that land is awesome for us. God is blessing us. Let's take it. But the 10 scaredy cats said, man, there's giants. And there's grapes. And even the grasshoppers, man. The grasshoppers over there are big, man. Well, we ain't going there, man. We ain't, we ain't doing that, man. That, that, dude, that place is just crazy. We're not able to do that. And the 10 had influence over the nation. And God said, everyone from 20 and above, will tr- will, you will go in through a wilderness and you will die in that wilderness. If you are 19 or younger, you won't die because of your stubbornness, your rebellion, your hard heart. I said I wanted more for you. You know what? God wants more for us today. God has more for you. He has more for your marriage. You're here today. Your marriage is floundering. You're fighting. You're fussing. It's tanking. Your wife would give you an F and you'd give her an F and it's just not happy. It's not good times. Your favorite time is when you're away rather than apart. You get along better with the people you work with. You get along with your your own spouse. You have love in your heart more for other people. Kindness when you're with your spouse, just the devil comes out because there's unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. Let's just be honest here today. God has more for your marriage. You're struggling in your finances. You're trying to get ahead. You just can't seem to make it. It's just been one thing after another. You've been in this rut for how long and how long and you're just so frustrated. You just wish it would just all go away. It would just end. God has more for you. You're so discouraged, you're so depressed, you're so defeated, you're so whipped, your spirit is crushed and broken, you think you have no value to this world, you think you are a no one, God says you are a someone, and he sent his only son to die for you, and God says there's more for you. You've been living your life without God, so you think, but the truth is God still sings over you. God still has opened doors for you. God has still been good to you. You don't know him. You don't believe in him. You don't get it. But God gets you and accepts you and doesn't ask you to meet him way up here so he came down there because God always meets us where we're at. That's what Momentum Church is all about. That's why we have a rock concert. I grew up with a piano and organ, and God knows half those notes weren't right. God loved Miss Blue, but Miss Blue didn't hit every note right. Good news was we love Jesus. Bad news was if you're a first-time guest, you're like, I ain't going back there. (laughs) That music sucks. I'm not going back there. Can we just be real? Wherever you're at, God wants to meet you. God says, I have more for you. Maybe your business, you work so hard, so long, or where you work, it just seems you're having relational problem after problem after problem. I want to challenge you to be like Caleb and believe God for more. 2012's behind 2013 is here, and yesterday ended last night. Come to God with a wish list, because God is for you, and if my God is for you, who in the world can be against you? Who can be against you? Nothing. Not angels, not principalities, not powers, neither height nor depth. Anything can be against you. If God says he's for you, and he is for you, and say, well, you don't understand everything I've done. You don't know everywhere I've been. You don't realize I had abortion a couple months ago. I want to tell you something. The God I serve is big enough to forgive and to forget. And he will take your sins. And as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says he will remove your sins that far. And the good news is you start going east, you're going to head east forever. You start going west, you're going to head west forever. I'm glad he didn't say north and south because you can head north, 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 and eventually you start heading south. But my God says your sins are gone. So let's live free people today. When we worship, that's why we sing. That's why we raise our hand because I'm telling you something. This guy right here, 
used to be bound with depression and anxiety. I know what panic attacks are like. I know what it is to be so low and to have no hope and to feel like, God, I'm telling you, this will never end. My past is my future. It's already set in stone. And then I know what it is for the good Lord to bring hope and to set me free and say, buddy, that was then, but this is now. Walk free. That's my testimony. I'm not afraid of it. I got scars. You're not looking at a perfect person. I'm thankful that I got scars. Not wounds, my wounds, been healed in Jesus, but I have scars. I don't focus on my scars, and I don't hide my scars. My scars are a remembrance that he took scars for me. He who never sinned, oh, I'm telling you. Oh, Caleb, Caleb said this. He said, but my servant, Caleb, it's a different story. He had a different spirit. He follows me passionately. I'll bring him into the land that he scouted, and his children will inherit this. The people of Judah, Joshua 14, they came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb heard this spoken to him. You remember what God said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me back at Kadesh. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of God, sent me from Kadesh, Barnea, to spy out the land. And I brought back an honest, accurate report My companions who went with me discouraged the people, but I stuck to my guns totally with my God, my God. That was the day that Moses solemnly promised the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, you and your children's forever. Yes, you have lived totally for God. Now look at me. God has kept me alive as he promised. This is Caleb speaking. It is now 45 years since God spoke the word to Moses years in which Israel wandered in the wilderness, and here I am today, 85 years old. I'm as, I love this, I'm as strong as I was the day Moses sent me out. I'm as strong as ever in battle, whether coming or going. In other words, you don't wanna mess with me. I'll mess you up. So give me this hill country that God promised me. Believe in God for more. You yourself heard the report, Anakim, that there were great fortress cities, but if God goes with me, I will drive them out just as God said. He believed God, and it didn't matter. He was 85. He said, give me my sword. I'm going to kick some butt and take some land in the name of Jesus, because he's promised me this. It's mine, and I'm believing God for more. That's what Caleb was saying here. So Joshua blessed him. He gave him Hebron to Caleb, and he said, listen, this is your inheritance. Hebron belongs to Caleb still today, because he himself totally gave himself totally to God, the God of Israel. I love that. Caleb lived it out. He said, you know what? I'm moving forward. And I want to encourage you today, whatever is behind you, to cut it loose. Cut the umbilical cord. Don't go into 2013 still attached. You don't need 2012. What you need is today, because today matters. God can do more in your life, hear me please, than you could even think or imagine. He's willing and able to forgive everything. He wants to partner with you to make the crooked path straight. And sometimes miracles happen and people immediately set down an old habit that was hurting them and they never go back to that habit. And sometimes it takes years, months, weeks to struggle through it. And Paul said, I press, I'm moving forward. Where in your life do you need to cut the umbilical cord and move forward? What luggage do you need to set down at the foot of the cross? What cuffs have hurt your wrist for so long because wearing chains that weren't meant to be there will do that to you. Jesus not only has the key, he is the key. He's the key to eternal life. He's the key to freedom. He's the key to hope. Deep in your heart, you know there's more. You've got, you're making the money now, you got the house, you got the car, and you're still not happy. There's something missing. It's Jesus. If you're a Christian here today, And you've gotten away from God. What I love about God, my favorite verse, is he says, come to me, all you who are weary 
heavy burden. Come. He doesn't say, come here. I got something for you. I see. I've been watching you. Come here. It's time for a spanking. No, no. He says, come. All you that are wearied, burdened, and broken, tired, exhausted, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. If you are carrying something heavy today, you're carrying something that's not meant to be carried by you alone. Jesus. We're going to show some pictures here. Um, can we just, just for a minute, can we look at the screens? We're going we're gonna to show some pictures. And, and I want to, uh, want you to just take, we're just going to take a few minutes and I want you to see what God has done. See, if, if you're first time here today, you don't know our story. We started out under a pavilion that you'd rent out for a birthday party on Shoreline Park. When that shut down on a Wednesday, we didn't know what we would do on a Sunday. We prayed and we fasted and God opened the door. And Sunday, we were at the beach for free all summer and even longer an incredible place where everyone, so many people walked by us going to the beach and God would arrest their attention as they thought they were going to the beach. God Almighty would stop them in their tracks. We saw people who were planning on going to the beach. They found love, mercy, hope, and grace. It was amazing. We have three words. I don't know if you have one of these bands or not, but Momentum Church and on the inside are our three core values. And Man, I've got a whole bunch here, and if you don't have one, I'd just like to throw some out real quick. And if you're wearing one, you just might want to turn it inside out and just look at the words because some of the pictures that you're seeing right now start off with our first one, which is community. So who needs one here? Can I just throw some of these out? Who needs one? Just raise your hand. That's right. Hey, Frankie, why don't you throw out some too? This would be a good time here. I don't know if they're all going to. There you go. That's right. I didn't think he'd catch them all. He's a Florida fan, but here, here we go. Bump, set, spike. If he didn't know it was a setup, he might have not volunteered. I'm just kidding. Right here, if you need one, put it on. We're talking about the first word. The first word we're talking about. If I blow a speaker, I'm sorry. Who needs one over here? There we go. Who needs one? I see you, Papa Cliff. Who needs one? All right, I'm throwing one over there. There we go. Who needs one over here? I just got some. Here we go. There's one. There's one. Here we go. Who else needs one? I'm looking for a hand. I see a hand. I see you, sir. Put one of those on. The pictures we're looking at right here have everything to do with community. This was Catalyst Leadership Conference. 16,000 leaders, business leaders, church leaders coming to Atlanta in October to say, we want to be sharper. We want to have an edge. That was our group right there for the first year. You see some more pictures. But all these pictures are about one core value that we believe in. And that first word is community. Out of the word community we see the word unity, and for me, that is in all caps. It's in all scape. It's an invitation to everyone to say, you know what? We will have community because we are a church of unity. We don't want disunity here. We love each other. This isn't a church where you don't like so-and-so, and you know, so-and-so said this about you, and that's why you quit going to that church a long time ago, because people who said they love Jesus didn't just love each other and you said I had enough of this stuff I'm just going to love Jesus at the house I got a remote, I got a TV man I'm being in my pajamas and love Jesus I don't need the church but I want to tell you something the church is you're the temple of God as a Christian but the church is the house of God and we are building a house for God and I understand that God is bigger than that and part of God is community, it's not just loving God with everything you have it's loving each other God said don't tell me you love me if you don't love your brother don't tell me, oh, I love you, Jesus. If you got something in your heart against another Christian, go make it right. Forgive, even as I have forgiven you. God's forgiven me so much. Man, I was an angry middle schooler. My mom died when I was four. Guy was drinking and driving. Hit us head on. My mother was decapitated. And I was angry. Dad remarried a year later. And I was, man, PO'd to say the least. My mom was gone. I'd grown up for a couple years without her. And now I had a stepmom in my life and it just seemed to be a lot of friction and I wondered God why did you take my mom and I blamed God and I remember cursing at God and I remember putting a gun in my mouth and I remember telling God I'll never preach for you I'll never speak for you you messed me up you destroyed my life I get what it is to be angry at God and I'm so thankful today that God then and there wasn't an angry God that said oh yeah you want some of this 
How's that feel now? How you like me now? I'm glad that God is a God whose compassion never ends, who is full of mercy and tenderness and forgiveness, and his mercy endures forever. Because in 2011, we started this church called Momentum. Vision cast December 2011. That's me right there. I'll be honest, man. I was like, wasn't sure if anyone was going to show up. Made sure my family was all there. (laughs) Commission. You need community. Listen to me. Community. You need community. You need to be in a group. Frankie mentioned it earlier. He talked about it. You need to get in a group. People say, I don't go to that church. It's too big for me. I want to tell you something. The way you keep from that happening no one knows me. They don't know my name. You get in a group so that people know your story. Because in community, we pray together. We play together. And we stay together. We are for each other, not against. And you're going to need people around you that love you when you lose your job. When you lose a loved one, you're going to need people there at your side just going. They're there with you. That's what community is about. I was hoping you'd clap. But you know what? So many people are afraid of community because Satan lies and says, oh, if they really know you, they won't like you. We're all messed up. Yet Jesus, we're all made perfect. And then there's this whole thing, compassion, man. We had so many compassion stories throughout the year, just amazing, from taking in a homeless couple and helping them and helping getting them back on their feet and putting them up in a hotel when we were a new church plant with hardly any money. But we said God loves people more than anything, and it's not about money. It's about people. And so we took what we had, and we put them in a hotel, and we gave them money to eat, and we helped them try to get a job. And then we bought them two airplane tickets and said, we feel like God wants you to go home only to have a couple months ago them call us on Thanksgiving, if I'm correct, and them say, thank you. We're not homeless. We're not jobless. We're thriving because someone took the time to love us. So compassion's number two. We've had so many different compassion events, whether it was hungry for a day and we gave out 165 turkeys and fed 55 families, family right up the road. Holy Spirit said, give them. And I walked up to him and said, can I give you a meal for Christmas? Do you need it? They were getting in their car, leaving a mission, thrift mission right down the road on 98. I evidently didn't have any money. They went there and walked away and heaviness and despair was on them. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, bless them. And I knocked on his window as it had been in reverse. And he put it up, looked at me like, who are you? And I'm not sure I like that. You know, I had a goatee. You know, he's like, I'm not sure about that. And he cracked the window. And I told him, I said, can we bless you? We gave him two boxes and with tears in his eyes. I don't know where mama is. Don't know what happened to mama. But daughter and father were there and they were weeping because they received this meal as it was from God. It was from God. It was compassion. I want to tell you, the homeless that we've helped. Man, Christmas for a cause. Are you kidding me? It looked like a tornado is going to blow up in this place. And people still came out. They had like over 200 people come out. People still brought blankets and jackets. We had businesses that said, man, we got to work, but we collected this for you. And the day after it was over, a middle schooler from this school called us up while he's in school and said, we got a whole bunch of stuff that we've collected because we believe in what you're doing. I don't know if this kid believes in God or not, but there's some goodness within him. I think he got that from God that he says, you know what? We just want to bless others. want to be a part of it. He actually did believe in God. I'm sorry, that was FCA did that. Yeah, he was Jesus' follower. And we put a banner up. Man, that was crazy trying to put that thing up when it was that windy. That was the story. We put it up. It's amazing. The next Saturday to go out and have like 44 of our own people show up. That blew me away. I wept before a holy God. I said, who am I? That you surrounded me with such great people that care about the things you care about. That are not so selfish and self-centered that they can look at someone and be like, oh, he's probably going to spend on alcohol. Oh, he's probably going to do this with it. But they look at someone in need and they say, you're made the image of God. I'm no better than you. What I have, I give. Memorial Day weekend when so many people were running from the beach and we said, we're running to the beach. 
And we're just going to wear some orange t-shirts and say, please forgive us. Because as Christians, we've not loved this community, the gay and lesbian community, like we are called to do. And though I disagree with your lifestyle, I agree with your image. For you have been made in the image of a holy God. And I am not too good to hug you. And I am not too holy to love you. I am just like you. I am a sinner who needed grace. Blue Angel Weekend, where we served out, I don't know, it seemed like at least a thousand water bottles, if not more than that, Mama Gail. It rained and people were still wanting water. It was great. Jesus said, whatever you do in my name, whatever you do for the least of these, you've done it to me. What a great time we had being compassionate. Compassion is our second. What we highly value. Community, compassion. I don't know where we are on the slideshow. Here we go. Perfect timing. Number three commission. Oh, that was God, not me, because I'm not that good. I'll tell you that right now. Look at Troy out there waving on our first Sunday. That's my wife, man. She's hot. Fields of faith. Getting asked to be a part of that great thing. Scambia High School football team and cheerleaders and so many people out there students just saying, God, we want more of you. We're not perfect. We're not here to pretend or to play or to say we're perfect. We're here to say, we just need you. That's this generation. Shoreline Park starting out with, it was so holy, but I want to tell you something. That place was holy because God showed up there. It will always be holy in my heart. The college student, I used to drive out out there and I'd pray and I would believe that one day in my life God could use a college student who had anxiety and I would pray and I would say God I don't have it all together and if you're going to use me you got to use me like I am because I'm broken you know my past you know the fear that came into my life during that period and it seems God like like It can never be fixed. But I'm here just to say that you are Yahweh. You are bigger and greater and higher and better than anything. You are my healer. And I remember going out there multiple times just saying, God, I surrender to you. Man, I'm like the boy with two fish, five pieces of bread and it seemed like there are thousands of people and my lunch was insignificant. And God said, that's all right. Give me a lunch, boy. I can take insignificance and I can bless it and break it and I can turn it into significance. And I'm in a Georgia dome a few days ago in Atlanta, Georgia. Used to live in Alpharetta. Started a lawn company called Paint in the Grass. And I had this dream in that great I was also a pastor at the time. I started this company. Man, I made incredible money, more than I'd ever made. And I had this dream that maybe God would bless my business in such a way that I could support 100 missionaries. And I went to my first Monday night football game in the Dome back in 06, 05, 05. And I watched Atlanta Falcons play some football. And I looked up and I saw Verizon and I saw Budweiser and I saw Coca-Cola. And I asked God, I said, God, would you bless this business so much that one day pain in the grass could be up there? Not to lift pain in the grass, but so you would build a business and I could take that profit from that business and do your work. Only in 2013 to be standing in the same dome and God go, Psst, I just want to remind you, remember that prayer you prayed in this section? And I turned, I looked, about 25 of our people with us. You know, Andrew had given his life to Christ. And God was like, it wasn't about your business being up there. I wanted to lift up something greater. I had more for you. God's got more for you. This is who we are. I'm not, as you can tell, I've not looked at my clock. This is who we are as a church. And we believe that this community needs real community, not fake smiles, not shallowness, 
but to be known and be fully known and be loved and be fully loved. This community needs, you know, sometimes, sometimes the things that look so perfect are the things so imperfect. Facebook, I'm all for it. I love it. Not against it. Boy, it makes everything look like it's happy, right? We only put the best forward. This community is broken and needs Jesus. They need compassion. And we're gonna we're gonna bring it in 2013. You heard about Love Week? You know that we're gonna take one whole week, the week of Valentine's Day. We're gonna love the city like it's never been loved. Next Sunday, you'll hear some more details about that. We're gonna love the city and commission this city. There's some great churches in the city, and we're formed. We know we're not the only church. We're not trying to compete against any other church. We believe if a church is for Jesus and preaches the gospel of Jesus, that we're all part of something way bigger than us. We're actually really, really small. It's like going to the beach and looking at the ocean and taking a drop out. That's us. We're part of a story, a bigger story. It's the kingdom story, the kingdom of God. We're not here to try to get people from that church or that church to come to us because we got a better band than they got. No, we're here to give dead people life. And that's only through the power of Jesus. Would you please stand? You got to understand, man, I just came back from a conference where God was there in full. 60,000 college students worshiping God, bowing down to God, wanting to live for God, to sacrifice for God. Had a guy that went with us, one of my favorite people in the world, who found a freedom to worship God. He never had that freedom. He'd always look at other people and think, you know, I'm just not sure that's really real. Or if it's real, why don't I feel it? At that conference, God gave him a freedom to worship him in spirit and in truth. Freedom! set the captives free how many of you are here today and you say you know what I need that freedom now I'm talking to you that are dead listen the problem is not that you're a sinner we everyone's a sinner everyone's born a sinner Adam and Eve messed it up Bible says sin passed on everyone you were born with that sin virus and the only thing that will wipe that virus out of your system is the blood of Jesus and so to refuse Jesus is to embrace the virus of sin And if you die with that virus, you will go to a place where God ain't. Because God has no viruses. But if you can humble yourself enough to realize that you are a sinner. By the way, the Bible says because that sin virus spread to everyone, the the punishment, the end result was actually death. That's why everyone dies. Say, I don't believe in God. Why does everyone die? They die because it's a payment for their sin. Because sin equaled death. In fact, starting way back with Adam and Eve, death had to happen to pay for that sin. So God came into a garden that was once perfected. Now all of a sudden weeds and thorns were growing. And he looked at Adam and Eve who were hiding. God said, where are you? Not like, where are you? Because I don't know where you are. Because God really knew where they are. Because God is God. He's all-knowing. He always knows where you are. He was asking Adam, Adam, where are you? What happened, Adam? Adam blamed it on Eve. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? Not my fault. It's their fault. If he went, she didn't say, I want to know. Adam said, not me. It's her. She did it. She gave it to me, Lord. She messed up. And Adam, why'd you say you're naked? Who told you? Nate, all of a sudden, his eyes were open. Sin had been birthed into what was once a perfect place. And now Satan is laughing because he believed a lie and he got God's creation to believe a lie. And God says, I have to cover you. Here's some leaves. Be dressed. Just think, man, had they not screwed up, we'd all be here naked today. That'd be crazy. I'm just, I don't know. I just wondered about that one, you know. I like my clothes. And what happens? The God said, I'm going to clothe you. But more than clothing you, I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to take this spotless lamb. See that lamb that you named? Eddie? Come here, Eddie. And Eddie comes to God in the cool of the garden. He says, I'm going to slit his throat. I'm going to sacrifice it. And the blood from this lamb 
will be to forgive what you just did. Genesis 3.15, but I want you to understand something, that there's a bigger picture here because this little lamb is significant to one day there will be a perfect lamb. It will be the lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world and he will be bruised for your iniquities. He will be nailed to the cross for your sins. He'll be beaten and wounded, broken. He will bear your sins and his blood, if accepted, will wash you clean. There are people in this room today that your problem is not you need to be better. Your problem is not even your addiction. Your problem is not even your questions or your unbelief. Your problem is you are dead. That's why you don't get God. Dead people don't get much. Dead people don't feel much. Today, God wants to have those blinders taken off your eyes. And right here, there is the presence of God. God wants to give you life. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He's the only one that rose up out of the tomb. Buddha's still in there. Muhammad's still in there. Other leaders, religious leaders are still in there. David Koresh, still in there. It's Jesus. He's the way to God, back to God. He's the truth from God, and he's the eternal life from God. Your need today is that you need life. You don't need religion. You don't need to do better. It's not the cigarette causing you all the problem. The deal is you need Jesus. You need life, and life will come in, and life will give you exceedingly and abundant life if you will say yes to life. Life has a name. His name's Jesus. If you're here today, you say, I need him. Maybe you spent your whole life forsaking him, stiff-arming him like you were in the pros, trying to make it to a touchdown only to arrive someplace to find out it wasn't it. Good news is he's still right beside you. You U-turns are not only allowed, they're applauded. Turn to God in this moment. Would you look at the screen and would you bring up the picture of my friend Howard for just a second? They pull up that picture in the back. This is my friend Howard. Our staff, right before Christmas for a cause, we went out. They thought we were going out to eat. And for about three hours, we went out because I wanted us to see these people and what they really, who they really are, what they're like. Howard was a one-hour story. We met with Howard and talked to him. He's such a good guy. Howard said, I don't have to be homeless. I choose to be homeless. I feel like God wanted me to be homeless because that way I can understand homeless people better and love them and minister to them. I can reach them where they're at. We went and got him some Popeye's chicken. That's like holy water. That's like the good stuff, right? I mean, this was, this was awesome. We got him Popeye's chicken and he said, thank you so much. And it was such a blessing. And I looked for home, Howard a couple weeks ago missed him. I didn't see him back in his spot. Got a phone call last night as I was driving from Atlanta, Georgia. Howard is safe in the arms of Jesus today. Went to the hospital. Next thing we knew, he's dead. I'm so thankful that Howard had life, that he knew Jesus. He wasn't perfect, but he had embraced the one who is perfect. If you're here today and you don't have Jesus, my friend, listen to me. You need life. Say yes to Jesus. If that's you, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you just to say yes to God, just to believe. It's not that tricky. It's not a perfect prayer. It's not getting all the stuff right. It's you knowing that right now God's working in your heart. You're feeling something. That's called conviction. That is God's goodness drawing you to him. It's like a it's like a magnet, and he's drawing you to his love. And I understand you may have pain, and you may have failures, and you may have heartache, and you may have been dissed and dismissed by people who named the name of Jesus. The problem was they weren't living for Jesus. They weren't being Jesus followers. That's why they didn't sound like Jesus. They didn't look like Jesus. They didn't live like Jesus. 
Jesus says, come today, come, come. Just say yes to God. Just, God, I believe in you. Jesus, I receive you. God, I believe in you. Jesus, I receive you. You don't have to have him figured out. In fact, he wants you to come not having him figured out. Just come. Just say yes.